Hey everyone, so welcome back to another Black Create Connect podcast episode where you're listening to interviews with your favourite black female business host, Alicia Richardson, myself. And I'm here today, right, with another trailblazer, with another with another trendsetter, black leader. We have Kevin Pito in the studio. Appreciate it, appreciate the warm welcome. Of course, everybody gets a warm welcome here. You get a warm welcome, you get <laughs> yeah. Everybody gets a warm welcome. How you feeling? I'm good, man. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Appreciative. Happy, all sorts of stuff, man. I'm grateful, above all. Mm. I've learned to become very grateful. What are you grateful for? Grateful for life. Literally just grateful for life. Grateful that I'm here. Grateful that I've been able to experience everything I've been able to experience. Yeah. Best experience that you've experienced so far in the last year. Go. In the last it. year? Oh yeah. my gosh. Wow. 2023. I don't know, man. <laughs> it's hard to think on the spot, but I'm grateful in general. Mm. In life. I've been through like a few things here and there, like health wise. Yeah, when you go through certain things, you just come out the other end. You're like, wow, cool. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy that for the small things, you know, like mm. I'm married, we've got a house. I'm, Amazing. I'm, I'm happy. I'm just happy in it that I can do the small things. That I can go out and come home to my wife and just experience life you know yeah, yeah amazing you um health things are you are you okay now yeah yeah better than ever i'm yeah. running the marathon <laughs> you're running the marathon yeah yes yeah, so i'm good I'm tell good. us about the journey to get in there you can talk as comfortably as you wish you don't have to go into all of your health details but what's been the journey kind of getting to the point of being able to run a man- marathon yeah yeah like i've always been into fitness anyways mm. in general like, i used to play a lot of football mm. and all of that when i was in school um, I never used to like running. I only got into running during the first lockdown because everything closed. Because I was going gym, the gym's closed. I, had nothing, I was just sitting at home doing nothing. So I'm like, mm. got to do something, innit? So I got into running then. Health-wise, I've been in good health, but I've had like random scares. If mm. You know what I'm saying? Things are unexplained. So on my first, I don't even want to say good health. I've had football injuries. I've had like mm. dislocated knees. I've had dislocated knees. I've done it once. I've fractured my arm. I've had random things here and there. But all through football. But in 20... Was it 2017 I remember I was out and it was so random so I was at Grenfell after the Grenfell happened and I went there me and my friend went there we were just like volunteering helping out and then I don't know what happened something happened it was um it was out and then I started feeling like I, fe- I started feeling like I was drunk like I drank but I hadn't drank anything out of nowhere out of nowhere we're just out and I, I know what it feels like I felt like I was drunk so I was like getting dizzy and that uh, you know like slurring my words just losing myself and then I was acting drunk as well like my friend was like what's up I was acting drunk um then I don't know what happened I was just getting worse it sounds so mad yeah out of nowhere out of nowhere I was just getting worse and worse and worse and then we got into a cab we were trying to get home we got into a cab and I was just getting burning up I was getting hot dizzy I'm hearing and seeing all sorts of mad stuff and then um I felt like I was gonna black out I was like stop the car stop the car I hopped out the car Took off my top. Bear in mind, it's about two in, two in the morning now. It's freezing cold. I'm in my shorts, topless on the side of the road, pacing up and down like my friends that like, sit down. I said, nah, bro. If I sit down right now, I ain't getting back up because I felt like I was gone. I don't know what happened. Did it? Um, ended up in hospital. So random. They done all sorts of tests on me and like, they couldn't find anything. And then I recovered over after a couple of days. Um, but it was mad because I was seeing what? so and up to now they don't know what happened no 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 they don't know what happened and i was mad because i was seeing and hearing like screams and getting hot like i was in a fire like it was it was a mad thing what it was mad. it was mad i know it was mad that's why i was like i can't sit down and close my eyes because the way i felt i felt like i felt like i was in a burning building like but it was mad didn't it 
there was no this is after you went to Grenfell? Yes, yes. After did you, did you have anyone that was close to you that had passed away or been affected by Grenfell? No, no, no I didn't know anyone personally um, that was there. So I don't know what happened there. But I, I was in hospital, came out, cool, whatever. Then the next year, 2018 now, I was out and I used to work at Arcadia Group. So my background, I used to work in fashion. Mm. A bit of a fashion background before I transitioned to finance. Mm. And I was out, we was... Um, I was leaving work. I was going back to not leaving. I was leaving the job literally. I was going to university again. So I was, it was my final, final day. It was my final day literally, and they took me out for drinks. I was mashed up the whole week. The whole week I wasn't feeling good. But you know, I remember calling in sick one day. I'm like, oh, it's my final week. You don't want to be calling in sick. But yeah. the final day I came in, I weren't feeling good. But I'm like, I'm just gonna come in anyways because they want to take me out. I went in, and I was just in mad pain. I had this pain at the side, like crazy level of pain, and it was like getting excruciating so we went to the pub after work here and then like they bought me a drink i took one sip i said nah i can't drink man like, because you're in too much pain just i was in pain i just wasn't feeling good like mm. pain nausea all of that stuff i just weren't feeling good so i took a sip i said nah i can't do it and i just left after like 20 minutes in my leaving drinks but i left um i went home and it just got worse and worse and i was in bed i was like bedridden and i was like nah this is nuts man let me um let me go to the hospital let's try and figure out what this is Anywho, went to the hospital. By the time I got to the hospital, I couldn't walk. They put me in a wheelchair. You couldn't walk? No, oh, mad pain. This is more pain. Bearing in mind, I said I've dislocated my knee before. I fractured my arm. I've had all sorts of... I've torn ligaments in my calf when I was playing football. This pain was worse than all of that. Like, it was an excruciating level of pain. Anywho, turns out that uh, there was a blood clot in my side that was heading towards my kidney. And then I went to the hospital at the right time because if I didn't go... If you left it a little bit longer, oh my goodness. it might, might not have been good, basically. So when I say I'm grateful, I'm like, I've had a few scares here and there. And not only myself, but other people close to me have been through things. And then you, when you go through them things, you come out the other end, you you're, just, like, you're like... Thankful. I, there's a simple analogy here. I remember I went to the barbers one time and I got there and I meant to pay and I couldn't find my wallet. And I'm like, oh shit, bro, where's my wallet? So can I swear on here? Yeah, we, we, we cool. people, people. All right. so I'm like, yeah, cool. I've dropped my wallet, like, where's my wallet, whatever. Cool. I've gone back out. I found it just like kind of down the street, and I picked up my wallet. And I remember picking up, walking back to the barber, and I had this massive ass smile on my face. I was so happy. And then we gave him the money, and I went home. And then what that impressed upon me, simple, was that when I had it, and I walk around, well, I didn't care, and it's just in my pocket. It is where it is. When I've lost it, and I didn't have it, yeah. then I've got it again. Yeah. I'm over the moon. I'm like, mm. rah. Then that's how I um, think Take about it in terms of my health. It's like, you got it, you're good, isn't it? You know what I'm saying? You're whatever, you're, 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 you just go through life, innit? When you go through certain things and you come out the other end, you're just great, you're happy. You're like, rah. Yeah. I can walk, I can talk, I'm healthy, I'm, you know what I'm saying? I'm good. So, yeah, I've just been taking my fitness a bit more seriously. Uh, going gym, running, all that kind of stuff, and running my first marathon in April. <laughs> Four months time. It's amazing. Appreciate That's it. That's amazing. I'm so 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 happy that your health is where it is at the moment. I'm grateful for you on your behalf. But you're right because whenever I feel like I've got a cold, whenever I've got any type of sickness, I remember when I had COVID, I was like, God, if you get me through this, yeah, yeah. I promise I'm not <laughs> gonna do. I'm I'm not gonna be drinking like that anymore. I'm not gonna be going doing anything crazy. Like you really, really value your health, and even when you, uh, when I get small pains or small things that happen, I think I just want this pain to go. I don't yeah. want it because like I'm used to not having pain in my arm or not having pain in my belly or whatever it is. So I can understand 
your massive gratitude towards you know life in general yeah yeah based for, on real. That. for real for sure man so just i mean off the back of that what i'd love to understand is a bit more just a quick whistle stop tour of your journey as to how you got to where you are today now you can start from wherever you want okay yeah. some people start from 16 my listeners are probably sick of me saying this. Some people, some people start, they're probably saying it with me. Some people start from birth. Some people start <laughs> from university or after university. But where did your journey, where did Tevin's journey start? And just kind of take us for a whistle stop tour. There's probably someone like Marvel on those exact words. <laughs> when you're saying, there's probably someone listening uh, yep. like Marvel on those so exact words. Here she goes again, asking <laughs> the same question. But this is my podcast. And I dictate <laughs> how it goes. But yeah, so go yeah, ahead. Yeah. Uh, where did my journey start? My journey started from, from birth. Isn't it? I feel like every single experience you go through just culminates and makes you the person you are today. In short, I've always felt that I wanted to do something where I'm going to have some kind of um, impact on individual people's lives. So that's the thread that my choices in my life has followed. When I was younger, I thought I wanted to be a doctor. Maybe impressed the point by my parents or whatever. I took it by myself, but I thought, cool. This is what I'm going to do. I was watching Hobie City and all them things. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. You know, I'm going to save lives and blah, 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 whatever. I wanted that. And I also wanted something that wasn't going to be boring. I wanted something that was going to be, I'm doing something different every day. And I just felt literally through Hobie City. And probably like that, I just felt, wow, okay, it's fast paced. I'm doing something different. I'm helping people. This is what I want to do. So that's what I studied. You know, I studied my sciences and that. Went to college, done my biology, chemistry, all them kind of stuff. Um... And then I've done an internship in a GP. So my auntie works in the GP and I've done an internship there. Mm. And that's when I realised, yeah, this ain't for me. Like, it, it's not for me. One, I just found it. It's nothing that I'll be seeing. Like, it's, it's very, you know, if I keep, not for me in it, basically. I don't want to disrespect anyone that does that, but for me, yeah, it weren't, weren't, it weren't for me, man, at all, man. Um, and secondly, I feel like that ain't going to be able, that isn't how I'm going to make wide sweeping change. Because you're chatting, you're, one person here and there but i'm thinking on societal or world level mm. so took a step back and i'm like all right cool what are we going to do now or lost i didn't know what i wanted to do and i read a lot as well so i'm reading a lot of at that time i'm going through like a soul searching type of journey as well so i'm reading a lot of stuff black literature novels entrepreneurship self-help like everything mm. i'm reading mm. and i read richard branson's autobiography his first one losing my virginity and that's why i was like all right cool this is it this is what i want to do entrepreneurship sick Mm. And when did you read that? What year? Seventeen. So. So when you're seventeen, okay. Yeah. So that was after the internship, and I, that's when I didn't know what I wanted to do. Right. So, so you read, just read a book. Yeah, just read a book. Okay. Simple as that. Just read a book, and I was like, right, "Cool, this is it." Because he used entrepreneurship as a means to drive why people decided to change. I'm like, "Cool, I can do the same thing. I do the same thing." And that's when I decided. That's what I wanted to do. Didn't know exactly what facet that was going to take, but I knew mm. that's what I wanted to do. Mm. So I went to university, not because I even wanted to go, just because. Gotta go. Because it's a, it's a thing to <laughs> Cause, do. Because you got to go. Where, where did you go and what did you study? Um, it's a bit weird. First year I went to a university called City University and done mathematical science. Mm. Not because I wanted to do it, just because I needed to go and do something. Mm. And I studied science and maths. So I just studied mathematical science. I didn't care too much for the course, if I keep it real. Uh, I dropped out after one year, or transferred, I should say, to London College of Fashion and done like, biz, uh, fashion business there. Drastic change. And that's because when I want something, I'm like, I, I go in two feet in all the time. Mm. And then I'm reading around trying to find out what industry I, do I want to go into. And I find out about the fashion industry and all the madness that happens there. So like, um, on a human level, on a societal level, I don't know if you or anybody listening remembers the Rana Plaza factory collapse. That was in 2011, I think, and over like, a thousand people died. Um, 
and that's nuts in it that's just that individual thing but on a human level and the toxins and it's affecting rivers and it's all in the developing world i don't like developing world as a term but mm. in those other countries there like they, they get very negatively impacted by fast fashion in the west so i'm like cool we're gonna do something about that mm. so i was like i don't know anything about the industry let's go and study in the best type of university i can go to so that's why i went to london college of fashion studied fashion business to learn about the business of the industry done that and then whilst i was there i founded a business as well called mr kitto and it was an ethical an online menswear retailer said an ethically made fashion from independent designers the idea behind that was literally just to promote ethically made fashion literally and okay. like, I, I was so serious with it in my house i banned anyone for shopping from asos i was like nah really <laughs> i was like they're a competition right we can't shop there so just sorry just just before you continue when you look at sustainable fashion because i always get kind of struck between sustainable fashion and also like like profits like is it profitable to to have a like a business that so when you're when you're by yourself as a small business to solely focus on 100 percent sustainability yeah. like talk us through that 100 percent. it's that you can be profit there's a lot of profitable brands out there that do uh, sustainable fashion there's so many ways to be profit like make money in fashion mm. so like you got lvmh um Louis Vuitton, et cetera, et cetera. Bernard, Bernard, on, I'm probably butchering his name. He's like the second richest man in the world right now. And they're doing more of a slow fashion, which can be made in a sustainable sustainable manner. I don't know how sustainable Louis Vuitton is, to be honest, so I can't comment on that. Mm. But that can be done. Then you've got fast fashion brands like Inditex Group, Zara, et cetera. That guy, Mancio Ortega, who owns that, is one of the, rich, I think, like, top 10 richest men in the world. And they're 100% sustainable? Uh, they're not. They're far from sustainable. Oh, actually. Okay. But I'm saying it's two very, very different models. One is fast fashion, one's slow fashion. Mm. And with fast fashion, it's difficult to be sustainable. It's just inherently not sustainable by design. Mm. Slow fashion is or can be sustainable. I, say. I wouldn't say is, but it can be. But it's more expensive. Yeah, yeah typically. Which means that for the masses, that's not going to work. Yeah. And I think more needs to be done to make it more success accessible to the masses. It's also, in terms of price, generally speaking, it's going to be more expensive. And it's, it's not even accessible anyways. Like, if you want to buy something, you go out to Oxford Street, it's just going to be fast fashion brands. Like, you're not, you're not really going to be able to find good sustainable brands. And sustain brands, a lot of brands call themselves sustainable, but aren't sustainable anyways. It's like free-range bloody eggs. Like, they say they're free-range, mm, and they're mm, locked mm. up in a pen come out for one minute a day and come back in then they can market it as free range it's not free range right same with fashion so a lot of times they're, they're not so how did you ensure that you were i guess working with like working in a sustainable way it's difficult but that's why i wanted to work for independent designers only because okay. they're just slow by design a lot of them were making stuff by hand um and just done a lot of research we had an ethical assurance policy i think it was called at the time mm that we required everyone to read through and sign. And um, yeah, we worked with independent designers. So we felt that would help to stop against working with brands that aren't sustainable. Mm. And there's a level of trust with the brands that we work with. We quiz them hell of a lot. Okay. Um, and the plan was anyways in the future to implement some technology so that we can really tangibly see whether they are what they say they are. Mm. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. And then in regards, so in regards to your business, so you did that, how long did you do that for? Was it successful? Was there learnings more so in the business? What took place? Done it for two years. Uh, definitely learnings. Definitely learnings, right? Like, what I learned, we're working with independent designers. But I start, we started this year with like, no systems in place at all. Just mm. like, cool, let's just do this thing. And a lot, of, we're working with independent designers who don't have their own systems. So we ain't got systems, they ain't got systems. So we're getting, and do you know, do you know about the dropship model? 
drop shipping. So we done drop shipping. At the time, we didn't know what drop shipping was, and drop shipping wasn't really a thing like that back then. So we just knew we didn't have money to buy everything. So uh, let's mm, let's open up a storefront like ASOS, and then but instead of holding the stuff, we're going to send the orders to the designers, and they can send it off to the customers. But with all our branding and that kind of thing, so we said, cool, that's what we're going to do. Mm. Independent designers, we're getting an order. I'll send it off to this independent. Like we had five in the UK, five around the world. So let's say there's one a Russian person. She was a student. And she was making her stuff by hand. Sick designs and that. I sent it off to her. And then a week later, the customer emails me like, yo, where's my order? Then I message the student, the, the person. She'll be like, oh, sorry. I haven't done it yet. I'm thinking, mate. <laughs> I'm thinking, mate. I got someone waiting I on this. I haven't done it like, yet. I haven't done it yet. Sorry, you need this stuff. I'm thinking, mm, I got someone waiting on this, man. Like, come on, you know? And then also, for example, we had um, this, like the clothing sizes on the website. And then I told them, again, no systems in place. It's just an Excel sheet. So I told them like, all right, keep me up to date with your stock level. They're not really doing it. So we'll get an order for like a medium top or whatever. Send to them, oh, sorry, medium sold out. I'm like, you're meant to tell me. But again, I get it. It's an extra step on their end. And we didn't have systems in place just to make it automatic or seamless. So learn systems, systems, get them in place. Man. That is the key and heart and soul. I was literally having that conversation today about someone that wants to help me with some systems because that can save you a lot of money and make you a lot of money as well. Mm. You have the right processes in place. For sure. So um, that's that's really key. So in regards, I guess, to kind of move forward. So after you've done you've done that for business and then you went in fashion directly, you said you worked for Arcadia Group for a bit as well. Yeah, yeah. Are they still around? I think they're closed now. Yeah, I feel, I feel like they're not yeah. around anymore. Yeah, they, they were going through some stuff. Pretty sure they're closed now. How was it working with um the yeah. CEO? I won't uh, say I won't say their name because yeah. <laughs> I heard so many stories. But um, I, I don't know him. You, you, you never met him. I never had encounters. No, well I've seen him. I've never spoken to him at all. He's, he's um yeah, never spoken to him. Just seen him. Okay. Walk no around, impact. walk around from entourage every once in a while. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Cool. I'll talk about something offline. Because if I say anything, <laughs> it's not going to paint Arcadia Group in a good way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but okay, cool. So, so you worked, you worked through fashion, and then you managed to transition from fashion to you said tech. Uh well yeah fintech yeah how did you, how did you tra- transition because a lot of people ask that question and want to know about how the how to transition how how did you go about doing that uh, with a lot of work like it weren't simple I've come from an industry that I, I don't I haven't come across anyone so so far that's transitioned from some creative industry like that into finance or technology so how how did you do it let's let's talk um, about what role were you doing before and what you doing now I was working in merchandising Arcadia Group and now I'm well now I'm in sales actually when I first moved into the fintech world, I was in an, an analyst. Mm-hmm. Um, I went back to university and studied a master's in international business and development. And the development side was key to it. I wanted to do the crux behind the course was business and how business can be mean, used as a means to drive socioeconomic development. That's why I wanted to do that as well. Uh, and I was trying to get into consulting even. So I was just applying for jobs, loads of jobs. I'm telling you, I applied to hundreds. So you just applied, like you didn't change and your CV, did you change your CV? I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. And I had a, the CV for every job I applied for. I've okay. still got them all on my, on my laptop. I have over five, six hundred CVs, all from different jobs because I've made them all bespoke to the jobs I was applying for. Is that um, that's wild. Yeah, Is that I felt well. Six hundred CVs. I've tr- yeah. I tried to, you know, like when you go into Indeed and you can do quick apply. I tried to quick apply. It weren't working. So I'm like, let me every single job. I will look at the job description and then I modify my CV, save it down as a new CV, and then apply for the job with that. And so it takes a while, but it was more like a trying to quality over quantity thing. Did it? Was it worth it? I got the job in the end. So 
I suppose so, but it was a tough market. And maybe because of my background, they made it a bit more difficult because I didn't come from school with like A stars and everything like that. I come with like decent grades, I guess. So how did you manage like the interview process? Like when obviously you've modified your CV, yeah. you managed to transition. How did you manage those conversations in person? The interview process was in- interesting, you know, because like I applied for so many jobs. I probably had like a handful of interviews, literally. And then when I'm going in there, I'm trying to come technical, like, yeah, this, that. I understand, you know, I can read and learn about this. It's, it's not that difficult if you keep it. If you do your research, you learn on the job as well. So I can understand, but it weren't working. I, I went to a few and nothing was happening. I guess, like, if I'm coming to talk ten, like, on a, from a technical standpoint against someone else to talk from a technical standpoint has better grades than me and has a background in that industry already, they're going to take them, innit? So with my interview for my current role, uh, I learned the tech technical side of things, of course, but that's not how I approach the interviews. I approach the interviews, this is my personal story. And I always try to steer the conversation to my personal story, always in the interview. So they'll ask me, yeah, what does the company do? Or can you explain how I don't know, the finance market works? Whatever. And I'll give them, yeah, top level, blah, blah, then, but I always steered it back to me. So I'm like, yeah, and then, yeah, so I ran a business before and I've done it in fashion and I done this i've done that i've done some youth work before so i was like yeah i've done this before cetera, do you link it to the job or are you just talking in general no i'm just talking i'm just, just really? i'm just telling them about me i'm telling them when i got in and they they let you pass if you if you've done that in my interviews but i'd have been like no sir so you bamboozled them with that yeah well people people <laughs> like people in it you know what i'm saying like when i come in I'll, yeah. um, i introduce myself and then they you know they always say tell me about yourself innit? so yeah, yeah. i told them about myself and then I always try to bring in myself again all the time. And it worked. Like they, really? They loved it. When I got to the final round interview, that was with the super senior guy in the company. Mm. And we didn't even talk tech stuff. He was just talking about me. It was like, yeah. So and he was talking Fair about uh, business I ran in the past and this and that. Because that kind of background was atypical. Mm. People in that in the role had always done like, like finance, technology, they, they all had that kind of a background. There wasn't anyone with my kind of background. Mm. So I had to try to leverage that as a strength because when I'm coming from a tech standpoint, it wasn't really working. So I'm like, I've got to try something different here. And that's okay. what I've done. Okay, okay. Yeah. What about in regards to, um, I guess, when you then started the role, how did you find yourself to like learn and develop all the skill sets to know what you're doing? Like, how did you find that? Yeah, the role's calm, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, all you, good. You, you learn it. You're smart then. You learn, but you learn on the job. Yeah. You learn anything like you, you learn anything on the job. You do. You do your background reading, of course. I've done my research and learned about yeah. markets in general before. But you get on the job, you're still gonna come in. You still have to learn on the job, anyways. And you learn on the job. Yeah, yeah, that is yeah. true. To to be fair, you do learn a lot on the job. Like I've learned a lot of my recent jobs on the job. Pretty much every single job that I've done, even the job I'm in right now, first time I'm I'm a founder really and i'm just figuring it all out along the way i don't know even what that looks like from i mean i'm figuring out what that looks like from like a team management perspective or hiring or building perspective do you know what i mean so yeah, yeah. i hear you I'm, I'm glad that you kind of you managed to transition confidently and just kind of yeah like go for it i love yeah. that for you yeah. just um just an interest of really speaking about a thousand voices so you're the founder of, of A Thousand Voices and I've yeah. seen you've interviewed some really incredible individuals. So well done, Thank by you. the way. It's Thank not you. it's not easy getting great podcast guests. <laughs> so, um, you know, you know. No, yeah, so, yeah. so honestly, well done to that. Um, why did you start it? A Thousand Voices. So uh, why did I start it? There's this, it's been a long time coming. But like that, like, I had the idea for A Thousand Voices a long time ago, but originally it wasn't a podcast. I wanted to write a book, just and then have stories of interesting black British people. And that mm. was it. 
interest in black British people. And I was very intentional about the British side as well. I felt that a lot of our gaze is very Americanized and we look over to the US for a lot of their narratives. Nothing wrong with that, of course, but there is some nuance. We're from the UK, there's some nuance. And also I think I felt British voices would be a bit more relatable. So I wanted to just focus on the black British voices over here. Um, I'm a strong believer in the power of our collective voice. And I wanted to build a platform and this is over time, obviously. I had the book, and the book was meant to be the initial platform. And then I felt, okay, let's move into something digital. I felt digital would be easier to get your message out there more and mm. just growing medium and all that kind of thing. So we transitioned into me, into digital. We said we do a podcast instead of writing a book. And instead of interesting black people, it was now is black British change makers. The word in intentional, again, like it's a similar profile of people, if I keep it real, but it's how I approached interviews is slightly different now, just about how they've driven change. That's that. And I'm a massive believer in collect in the power of collective voices. There's a lot of power in hearing from someone that looks like you, that sounds like you, or someone that you can see a bit of yourself in. You know what I'm saying? So, like, if we look at when I was talking earlier, and I was like, I read Richard Branson's book. He, we're not from the same background. He's a white man. I'm a black British guy from London. He's from countryside somewhere. Um, we're not from the same background whatsoever. He's a billionaire. I'm, I'm still working. You know what I'm saying? But when I read his book. I could see facets of like, bits of his personality in myself. And I think that's why it will resonate so powerfully with me. Then I thought to myself, how much more powerful would it be man, if we create a platform to get these voices out there and these stories out there so that someone could be watching, they can see um, Alicia or uh, this person or that person who looks like them, sounds like them, comes from the same kind of area, mm. who's gone through similar stuff mm -hmm. and has managed to drive change or overcome yeah. or whatever in any kind of way and i was like let's create that platform and that was what 1000 voices is and was i originally started as a podcast it's evolved over time so i i now i call it a media production company the podcast being one form of media that we have but we do want to expand into other forms of media mm. um some people might want podcasts cool we do your podcast some people might want a documentary cool some might want a short short form thing or game show and entertainment whatever have cool. you done anything else apart from the podcast we're moving into other stuff okay apart got from conversations podcast. going yeah yeah um a couple things couple things going on so hopefully in 2024 we're working towards two major things one we want to start up a docu-series and this uh documentary series and that's specifically black british business owners um, and trying to amplify them, their voices and what they stand for and get them out as much as we can. But we shorter documentaries. And uh, we're working on building an archive as well, so digital archive of Black British voices. And that one is more like a um, division for that. So my grandfather, so I've got Ghanaian heritage, and my maternal grandfather was like a sick guy back in his time in Ghana. Mm -hmm. He was, and I never met him. He passed away in 97. I was born in 93 and he's in Ghana and I'm here. So we never right. actually got a chance to meet. Right, um, uh, oh, it's, it's cool. I never met him, but you know, when, when I read about him, yeah, so he was a foreign affairs minister in Ghana mm. in the seventies, mm. between 73 and 77, I believe it was. Then there was a coup in Ghana in 1979 mm. and the government was overthrown and he, him and all his people were thrown in prison. A lot of his um, colleagues were killed by firing squad and that, but they let him out. Um, they liked him apparently apparently he was a good guy <laughs> so they let him out yeah. and he just but he lived i don't i don't really know because obviously i went there and it's it's hazy in it but i don't know too much what happened after that but he went in that political sphere anymore um but he passed away in 97 and then i've seen pictures of him like with world leaders and like 
I've seen him like Selassie and stuff. I see pictures of him addressing the UN and all these kind of things. I'm like, That's my amazing. goodness, it's sick, man. I'm like, it would have been so sick like to sit down with someone like that and just chop it up and really learn from him. You know what I'm saying? And I think that all the time, even now, I'm like, I would have been so cool to sit down with him and have that conversation. Mm. Um, but unfortunately, I haven't had the opportunity to do that. Mm. I think to myself, like, cool, that's him. His voice lives on, but it's in fragments. You know what I'm saying? Like, you might find a bit here, something here, something there. Mm. Um, but that's his voice and cool. But we don't want to, I wanted to find a way to preserve these voices and stories in general. And that's where the archive idea come from. So they're shorter form pieces of content like pretty much, and I don't like the word every day, but because the podcast, we only have certain people can come on. Obviously we ain't got capacity for certain people, but the archive is open basically. You come on and just share your story, come do your thing. Mm. We keep and share and preserve those. And I feel like that gets more powerful generationally so that uh, in, I don't know, one generation, two, three, four generations down, someone could log on and be like, all right, cool, let me look for, Something from, let's look for a story from a teacher from East London. And you see all these black British voices and someone will come and give their five minute story. Yeah, I'm from here. I grew up here, but blah, blah, this is my story. This is my advice or whatever. Or let me look for my ancestor. Let me look for someone from Leytonstone, East London, whatever. And you know what I'm saying? Just building that. And I feel like it gets more powerful generationally. And that's something that we're excited about. Something we're working towards starting that's hopefully sick. in 2024. I love, I love that. When did you start it? What? The what? podcast. It's Feb 22, when okay. the first episode came out. Okay, wicked. Yeah, yeah. How often do podcasts come, do episodes come out? Is it every uh, other week? Yeah, well, weekly, weekly, right? It's tough. I guess you know, you know how it is, isn't it? It is, it is hard, <laughs> it is hard. It's but you're, weekly. But, but you're still doing your thing. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah. here, you're 68 episodes in, right? 68, 69 now, actually. 69 episodes in. Yeah, so. I don't know when this comes out. I don't know, it might be a bit more, but yeah, 69 for now. Yeah, you know, which is amazing. Like, it's not easy to i think the average podcast makes it like up to like four episodes or something like that there was a stat that was shared with me mm. so and i'm like four like so <laughs> you've you already won you've oh, already won you. so like it. keep going i think what you're doing is really important i think it's it aligns really well with what we do as well mm. in regards to just having these things as evergreen content and documented because like i was thinking today on the train actually i was thinking god forbid if i was to pass away right now like the great thing is, is that my future nieces or nephews or family members or, you know, they can they can Google Auntie Alicia or Grandma, Grandma Alicia, and they can see me and they can hear from me and they can they can get a feel for my personality. I what I would do to get that for like my again, my grandparents, I would love to have watched them or hear them speak or see how they were because I've only known my grandparents ill like having a stroke or not or having dementia so not being in their strongest mindset you know so i agree with you it's, it's really interesting that you say that because sure. and imagine if it was even your great grandparents your great great exactly great. you look back exactly. and you really was able to like and then i feel like there'll be so much power in that so, so you can power, look and yeah. be like wow this is my story it's my lineage you know it's exactly they've gone through xyz now i'm here now we gotta carry on and build and move forward. So much power in that. Exactly. So much power in it. So I hope that, I know it's going to continue to prevail and it's going to grow and you never know, it might get to 10,000 at, at one point. <laughs> no, you never know. Yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean? Like things can carry on. Um, I you, uh, Ideally, you want to build something that's a legacy that's, that goes on beyond you, um, which is amazing. But I guess what, so one thing I like to always ask is, what is it that the community can do for you or listeners can do for you um, to help to elevate and amplify what you're doing? First question. So what is that? First things first, um, if you like what we're doing and believe in our vision, mm. um, 
follow us on socials at a thousand voices uk instagram is the main channel uh but for where everywhere but follow us on socials um and share share it with your community so share that with your friends your family check out our content first of course if you like it but share it it helps a hell of a lot like if every single person share it to one person that one person share it to one person it'll help us so 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 much and getting these stories and voices out there amazing so we'll do that so definitely share we're gonna add links and everything to your podcast and to the pages on the web on the this link so don't worry about that but then also we like to have every single podcast guest share i guess words of wisdom you know or like i say a proverb because you know i think well, no i think proverbs is the book of wisdom so like what kind of advice or piece of wisdom can you drop where someone can be like that's it for me and you never know sometimes these pieces this one piece of, of advice could actually change someone's life with their mindset so think carefully, but oh. drop it. I know, no, it's fine. <laughs> no, no pressure. Yeah, yeah. But, but what, what piece of advice would you kind of give to listeners? Yeah. I'll tell you what I would have appreciated to hear when I first started, when I had the idea. I told you I had the idea a long time ago. Mm. It, I met, funny story, I met my wife back first, first ever time, 2017. And first time ever, and I remember sitting down with her. I had a tripod in my bag. So that gym bag I come in with, I had the same gym bag. And I had a tripod in there because I had the idea to start this thing up. And I was saying to her, yeah, you know, I'm thinking about starting up this thing called A Thousand Voices. This, that, this 2017. The first episode came out five years later in February 2022. So you filmed it in 2017? No, no, no. I just oh. bought the equipment and sat oh. on it for five years. And came up with every single excuse in the book. Like then, oh, I need to get this equipment. I need that. And then COVID hit. Oh, I need a space. And it just come up with every excuse in the book. And I was procrastinating on it. Mm. And I learned that was because of a fear of failure. And mm. when that became apparent to me, I thought, yo, like there's power in knowing and that's when not long after that then i just you know first episode is far from great i didn't even want to release it like it wasn't, it wasn't great from a technical standpoint from my standpoint it weren't great but the learning's in the doing yeah and i really really would tell people that the learning is in the doing don't worry about the thing being perfect at first chances are if we keep 100 real your first everything you put out a lot of people aren't even going to see it anyways most people don't care about what shade of yellow your logo is so don't spend a week working on looking through all of these rgb colors people don't care they will just put out your content and iterate over time you learn mm -hmm. over time and that's what happens that's what i've done with a thousand mm -hmm. i put out the first thing and we've learned and improved over time but mm -hmm. don't sit on it trying to make it perfect start mm -hmm. and you'll learn and you'll grow mm -hmm. and be consistent mm -hmm. word 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 no that that is really really important because i think i resonate with that as well like there's so many things so many doors that have opened for me because i started something and someone else will be like oh i swear you you know you do this or i've seen you do this and then doors just keep opening and opening and opening and you find your cup just overflowing just because you just put in the first little bit of water and people just keep filling up saying oh what you want more and it comes to you so i agree with that advice wholeheartedly stop making it listen if you're making excuses right now this is your sign to stop and just start and learn on the go for real yeah amazing well yeah. thank you so much for coming on and at least being so open to kind of share bits and pieces of your journey like what you've been doing the 500 cvs like <laughs> all yeah. of like, all, yeah. all of that thank you so much i really appreciate it, appreciate it. um you. how you feeling i'm feeling good man yeah, yeah, yeah. 
amazing i'm sure there'll be other parts and there'll be other times that we can connect and film content and all of that sure. as well so i'm excited for the future sure. but keep doing what you're doing thank you yeah thank you. amazing well thank you so much for listening everyone um please do share this episode don't just leave this to yourself don't be selfish okay share it and ensure that other people can hear the message can hear the story can hear the wisdom um so that they can too grow i'll see you all in the next black create connect podcast episode take care bye Bye.